Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Did you? Was that a mouse trap that just went off? Something snapped there. Oh, my staples fell on the glass desktop. Just oh, as okay. We, All right. It's like we had the starters gun for our first podcast. There you go. The there you go. We're back. We're back with a player. We got the player grades going tonight. I graded the game tonight, Bruce. And it was a fun game to grade. I mean, the Oilers just, in terms of a dot, like this is a preseason game. It's the first preseason game. It's a nothing game. It's meaningless. But let's face it. In terms of an Oilers win in the last forever, <laughs> they just utterly dominated. Utterly utterly dominated the Calgary Flames and and heading into the game I was you know I was a little bit worried Bruce because you know the Flames they you know they had just an endless amount of big Bobby Clobbers in their lineup including like Milan Lucic and Eric Goodbranson you know noted NHL enforcers so I was kind of worried are the Oilers going to get run out of town here they're going to get you know so like you know rock beats scissors the Oilers had this fast lineup but then I was thinking these older players they're hungry they're really hungry to win, and they're going to be on these slow flames. So, paper, paper can beat rock by covers. Covers covers. Yeah, you get on them, you cover them, you yeah. smother them, and this was an absolutely smothering attack <laughs> by the Edmonton Oilers. They were fantastic. This team, and it was a team. Well, how many surefire NHLers are on this team? So, Derek Ryan, mm. maybe Devin Shore. I don't think Devin Shore is surefire. Sl- Slater, Slater Cuckoo. Uh, Evan Bouchard, yep. probably Ryan McLeod, yep. and that's it, right? The locks, yeah, yeah. There's not many, not many surefire locks. There's a lot more guys you can say for sure won't be on the team than will be, and then a few tweeners that are, you know, right there on the bubble. Yeah, the Flames also had like in terms of big Bobby Clobbers, they had uh, Nikita Zadorov. Uh, who's a, he is a load, Brett Ritchie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. A lot of teams give up. Like you'd think, why does, why wouldn't you want Nikita Zadorov on your team? Like when you think about the concept, kind of the platonic ideal of Nikita Zadorov, 6'6", 230, hits like hell, can skate a bit, but a lot of teams move on from him. So, um, I don't know. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's uh, a big Oilers win, we'll go with two good things each. Do you have any general comments on the game, or do you just want to get into your first good thing? Just the Oilers really smothered them, eh? Like, they were just coming out with the puck time and again and again. Their puck would go, and the Oilers would just have possession of it. And uh, they, you know, they they not only outshot Calgary by more than 3-1, to one, but they outpowered played Calgary by more than three to one because Calgary never had the puck. So Edmonton had, uh, you know, they, they were the ones drawing the penalty because it was Calgary that was always scrambling to check. On the other hand, Calgary out hit Edmonton by more than three to one. And what good did that do them? It also means Edmonton had the puck. Calgary was, you know, the team without the puck does the hitting takes the penalties, and the team with the puck does the shooting and scores the goals. And all of that happened tonight in favor of Edmonton. 
Did we say the score four nothing? I can't remember. Four it, nothing over Calgary. Wow, right in Calgary. This reminded me, Bruce, of the decade of darkness in reverse, though. You, you know, the owners would play these teams. This is like, like especially into the Shirelli era, era, where like everyone still had the heavy hockey model in mind. Like you got to play the heavy hockey, and um, it just doesn't. You know, and this is the direction the Flames are going to go in. But is it going to work? I mean, you get these defensemen like who can move the puck like the Oilers did, and you get a team that can pass the puck with skill. And there's so much money to be made. Players aren't that intimidated anymore. You know, you're going to make a million dollars by sticking in the NHL. You're going to take a few hits. You know, I just and then the Flames, they just they couldn't. The Oilers were shredding them with the pass, and then the Flames uh, were getting shredded like. They couldn't move the puck themselves. They were just unable to make plays. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. What's your first good thing? Well, I'm going to pick out the entire line of, of Derek Ryan uh, between Brendan Perlini and Xavier Borgo. Uh, three guys in three very different situations, and I thought they all performed really well. And special kudos, I think, to Derek Ryan who hasn't been playing with either of those guys throughout training camp. He was always on the line uh, with Warren Fogle and Zach Cassian. And so he got given a, a new assignment, and he went down to playing his old stomping grounds at Calgary, and he did the stomping in Calgary uh, with a, uh, a nice sort of opportunistic goal where he jumped on a, 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 a kind of a, a bit of a bounce around the net and he and he got a shot, and then he scored on the close-in rebound. Made a really nice pass to Borgo for the three-nothing goal. And I just liked his overall game. You know, he had a couple of takeaways in there. Ten ten wins, five losses on the on the uh, on the face-off dot. And you know, that's one of the things certainly that he was brought in for. You know, two for two on the penalty kill, for example. I mean, that's just one of the things he was brought in to do is be that right-handed stick. Uh, that can be relied on to take a face off in any zone, but especially the defensive zone and especially also on the penalty kill. And just just smart, smart player. I, I, I like how he thinks the game. Uh, very on skilled. A, yeah, very skilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On his wings, uh, I mean, big Brendan Perlini, I, he, he, was, he got the fourth goal. I think he may have deserved an assist on one of the earlier goals that kind of bounced off him, but he wasn't, you know, he was kind of helping clutter things up on that play. But uh, big, fast, he made uh, big Bobby Clobber, I mean, Eric Goodbrinson, <laughs> look like a, looked like a, 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 a lamppost on the 4 nothing goal when he, when with his reach, he just got a stick in there, stole the puck off him and just pulled away on the breakaway. Had one shot, scored on the rebound. Uh, had a couple nice passes. Uh, one real nice pass for a redirection that just barely missed the net. Like the goalie wouldn't have had a chance on. And uh, certainly helped his cause uh, to uh, to um, make the hockey club. I mean, he did lots of things right. And then finally, Xavier Borgo, who at first I thought, well, they're giving him his complimentary preseason game after you know being the first round draft choice and then he might take the next bus out of town or soon you know i mean not right away i guess but that that it was just sort of get your feet wet here's nhl hockey 
But now I think they might keep him around and, and give him a couple more games because he looked good. Great shot that he scored on on the uh, <laughs> uh, on the uh, three nothing goal one timer. He started the play, got the puck low behind the net, and then he headed for the soft ice, which is something he seems to do real well. Is understand where the where where the good ice is, where he can get open, and uh, uh, sure enough, Ryan found him there, and he was able to beat. Uh, Calgary netminder with a with a good outside shot, and just took plays along the along the boards, and he wasn't intimidated by some of the running around that was happening in the first part of the game before Calgary gave it up altogether. Calm as a cucumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he was he was very. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of players he reminds me of a little bit. I'm coming up with a blank, maybe Nuge a little bit, but um. You know he's just because he's a good he's good with the puck. He mm-hmm. uh, he won that board battle behind the net to kick off the scoring sequence. Yes. When uh, mm-hmm. and he put the he put it out front and it went off Perlini's shin pad to Ryan. Okay, that's but he, what, yeah. he he won he won a nice battle there. And yes. he in the sequence uh, the virtuous cycle that led to him scoring, which was a quite a long offensive zone play with Sevier actually getting in the action. I didn't think Sevier uh, particularly. Uh, excelled in the game he didn't do anything to make me forget josh archibald um but he he was in on that yeah he did have to assist and and bouchard uh was also in on that sequence Mm -hmm. and um borgo made a number of nice plays on it though he's just he's he's a good uh, that was a very good first impression highly skilled player who's good on the boards Mm -hmm. and calm with the puck you know he kind of we were we were seeing a kind of a you know, a master display of calm on the defense with Evan Bouchard with the puck. And mm-hmm. and there was some moments when I was watching Borgo and I was thinking, oh, he's got a little bit of that same poise when he has the puck. He's not looking at to to fire it away. He's looking to make a play and uh, he can make plays. So, you know, with, with Derek Ryan, my only comment is I have a long history of, of not liking and picking on, picking on, I would even say, uh, fourth line, third line centers on the Edmonton Oilers. I haven't liked one in a, quite a while. Maybe there's an exception to that, but you know, Latestu in the play in uh, the in 2017 playoff run, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe Derek Ryan's going to change that. I mean, that was a really impressive performance. He's a fantastic skater, high skill player, smart player. If he's good defensively in the defensive slot, um, sold. So we'll, we're, we we are yet to see that, but that was a really. Uh, yeah. That was a really strong um, performance, Bruce. Okay, my good thing. Well, Bouchard, we'll just go with that. I gave him a nine mm-hmm. out of ten in the game grades. He wow. was just fantastic. What a what a what a player. He just mm-hmm. all night long. He was slicing, dicing, and pureeing the Flames forecheck. He just he just went through it like it was nothing. This is what you happen sometimes when you get a lot of big slow players. They're big slow players, and if you have a defenseman who uh, is really smart with the puck and is a good skater. You know, Bruce Bouchard was not known as a good skater, I don't think, in the past, but I was really impressed with the way he was getting around the ice. Now, maybe it was because the Flames were so slow, but uh, his edge work, his movement with the puck was fantastic. And there was one play in the third period that stood out in particular. He just, it was a small play. He gets the puck in his own zone, and it looks like he's going to take it behind the net. And all of a sudden... He doesn't take it behind the net. He looks up ice and he quickly wires a breakout pass. And um, that was Bouchard all game long, mm-hmm. um, playing that kind of passing game. Fantastic. And his shots on net was just, he just kept p- 
pounding away. It's almost brutal. <laughs> yeah, well, especially on the power play. I mean, of his six shots on net, five were on the power play, and he was uh, center of attention. They were trying to set him up for good outside shots. And I'm not sure there wasn't one or two more that got tipped on the way in and credited to somebody else, you know, but yeah. were originated off a of Bouchard stick. And I like that, you know, he's, he seems to keep his options open and he can uh, he can adjust quickly to something that opens up, like the play that you describe, right? I mean, he's a real quarterback out there and he'll be, uh, uh, I guess... Uh, I'm thinking of Tom Wilkinson. There's our mandatory 1970s sports <laughs> reference. Who, you know, at any yeah. given moment with the ball, there was about four different things that he could do with it, and, and a fifth one that even he hadn't thought of yet until the until the until the opening developed that he he would uh, uh, <clears throat> check down to. And and Bouchard, his calmness for such a young player. I mean, somebody on Twitter or I was on Twitter and I'm sorry, I missed the handle on this, but he said he's, he's for, for the first time since Chris Pronger was an oiler, he was thinking he can relax when the puck's on Bouchard's stick because he's just got such composure when, uh, when he's there. And I mean, comparing to Chris Pronger is a stretch, but comparing that trait of his sort of his evident, uh, uh feeling of control, Davis, we'll see how how he feels under control against a heavy checking actual NHL team as opposed to tonight's Calgary Flames. But uh, tonight uh, he was better than anybody Calgary could throw at him. Yeah, that was an exceptionally slow uh, Flames lineup. So that there that is to keep that's something to keep in mind. I mean, but. That said, Bruce, I mean, his own coaches, Tippett and Playfair, have been talking him up all summer long yep. and saying there's a possibility to be top four. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, I I think from watching him last year, I think he's, I think he, he, he can easily move into the top four this year. And, um, you know, by the new year, maybe before then, we'll see. I mean, I just think he's got an element, like the way he thinks the game offensively. How many other Oilers think the game that well on the attack like i'd say leon dreisaitl and um that's that might be it like the, there's other you know Connor mcdavid is obviously a fantastic right. attacking player but he he it's 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 speed and skill and mm-hmm. he keeps his eyes up and he makes good passes but in just in terms of thinking the game looking for that moment and taking advantage of it dreisaitl does it and Bouchard has that. And I, you know, I like Tyson Berry a lot on the power mm-hmm. play. Yep. We'll see how we'll see. Cause yeah. this is going to be very difficult to resist a player like this uh, on the power play. Like just thinking of him with Bouchard, Dreisaitl working together, McDavid, Nuge. Wow. Like that's a very intriguing prospect as much mm-hmm. as Tyson Berry is fine on the power play. And of course, if you're wearing your secret general manager hat, you're thinking, don't put Bouchard on the power play because he'll get too many points and then you'll have to pay him for all those points. But right. um, anyway, that's my Bouchard comment for the night. What's your what's your second good thing, Bruce? Oh, I like to play Ryan McLeod in this game. He led all forwards in ice time barely, 17 minutes and 22 seconds, uh, just a few ticks ahead of his two line mates, uh, uh, Tyler Benson and Cooper Marodi. And they weren't able to bury the puck. And that inability to bury will will 
haunt them a little bit because I think this is a game where, you know, a guy like Perlini, uh, Turris, who I thought had a strong game, even though he didn't have points, but his line scored. Uh, there was a couple of plays where maybe they should have put it away and they didn't. Yeah. Uh, but specific to McLeod, uh, I'm sure liking his his play through the uh, through the neutral zone. He really likes to transport the puck, and he'll you know he'll pick it up in the faceoff circle on his end, and he'll carry it through the neutral zone and into the other team's zone and establish a possession there. He does he does a lot of that. Uh, uh, and he, and, he, and he chooses good routes, and of course he's big and he's fast and he's pretty hard to stop. And I mean, the knock on the guy is his inside game, playing you know right in, in and around the blue paint. But from uh, ringette line to ringette line, I think he's superb. I mean, there's there's some real good things to like there. And again, of course, we didn't see him playing against a real NHL team uh, tonight, but we saw a taste of uh, uh, of, uh, of of what he can bring. And he also he had nine shot attempts, five on goal. Like he was uh, he was uh, bringing it. He really got robbed on one bad angle shot where the goalie was down and out, and he kind of rolled over and got his facing backwards, got the edge of his pad on the shot that I thought might have gone in the net. But uh, uh, McLeod did really nothing to hurt his cause tonight. He. Uh, uh, he looks like a, a very serious candidate for, uh, uh, frankly, a long-term NHL gig. Yeah, I thought he he was good. <laughs> I, I don't know how he didn't score, and I don't know how Benson missed that. Marody set him up in the third, yeah. and how he missed, because he got a good shot off, too. It just mm-hmm. just didn't go in the net. So I, I thought Benson didn't hurt his cause necessarily. Like I don't think he's, he's, he had a great game, but yeah. I thought he was good, and he, he hustled like crazy, made a lot of nice passes, did well with the puck and listen there's two jobs now open there's the four flying left winger job and there's i think there's archibald's job which is now open uh till further notice so um some of these wingers are gonna gonna be making the team bruce my um my second good thing is philip berryland uh known as philip berglund in north america you know and this is just this is funny because People bend over backwards now to pronounce people's names correctly when they're when they're announcing the games. But this is one exception that you and I noticed, you know, watching all these Swedish league games. You know, is this what is it? The soft G or the 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 G that's pronounced as a Y? It's like that's how they seem to pronounce it in Sweden, and mm-hmm. it's consistent. We heard it all the time. But this is one case with Philip Broberg, Broberry, and uh, Philip Barry Berryland Berglund, where where the announcers don't do it ever. It's kind of fascinating. I don't know why that is, why it's the exception to the rule. Um, we're left to speculate about that. Anyway, Philip Berryland, we'll go with the Swedish pronunciation for now, and eventually we'll probably move off it just because everyone's calling him Berglund. Uh, he would birth, I, he, last year in Sweden, he, he was playing hurt and he didn't look good at all. He looked slow and wasn't moving very well. Tonight, he, he, um, he, he led the team in, uh, Ice time. I think that was going to be my number, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm giving my my number here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, 23.07 yeah. in ice time, mm-hmm. and he played he played really well. He was uh, made a number of you know where he stepped up and stopped um, passes, stopped plays that the Flames were trying to make. He was on them in the neutral zone, on them in the D zone. 
he uh, made a number of really good passes. He was smart with the puck. There was a couple of passes where he kind of gave a little bit of a suicide pass to a teammate. <laughs> I did notice twice, once to Broberry and once to another uh, order breaking out of the zone. When Broberry got hit by Lucic, I think that was the case. He got a bit kind of a tough pass from, from uh, Barry Lind on that one. <clears throat> Aside from mm-hmm. that, though, he looked like a like a, a possible NHL player. He looked really solid, and mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be in the AHL to learn the North American game, um, f- probably for the whole year, most of the year. But um, looked to me like he could fill in in the NHL, maybe. So uh, that was a very positive sign. I was impressed with his game. Yeah, uh, Barryland. Yeah, he looks he looked good, and and to me. Um, his um, uh, his partnership with uh, Philip Robery, his uh, former teammate Chalaptia, uh, Barryland, Bar- the older fellow, looks very much like he's the leader of that pairing right oh, yeah. now. Even as yeah. uh, as Brobery is supposedly the superior talent and the one with the far brighter future. Uh, to me, he's struggling a little bit, uh, you know, in training camp where I, I was at both rookie camp and uh, Oilers training camp, and he hasn't really stood out at any point. Uh, uh, he's got a lot of game, but he needs to, to uh, start imposing it a little bit more. Um, but uh, uh, <clears throat> with the more established veteran partner, even though he's got like zero NHL games and zero North American games, but you can see the experience of uh, Philip Berryland that's played five years in the Swedish Hockey League, uh, one of the you know top three or four leagues in the world certainly. So he's a you know, and he looks healthier than he did last year when we when we tracked him. Uh, yeah, a pretty smart player. I like his positional game. He seems to show up in the right places a lot. And that's where Philip Broberry struggled. Like he's he's both trying yeah. to force it too much, but then he's forcing it at the wrong moments, right? He's just he's not quite reading the game well. His reads are off. He skates. He you know you gotta love his skating and his size. He's really good ragging the puck. He made a number of nice plays, but he he made a number of bad decisions on the ice. It reminded me of how I play in in uh, old timers league, always getting caught out on two two on ones. Mm-hmm. He. He he did a couple times make bad reads like that. And anyway, he's 20 years old. He's going to the AHL, and he can he's big and he can move fast. So we'll see see how that goes. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Oh, I got to go with Calgary Flames. It's my bad thing tonight. Uh, they were so bad that uh, for one example. Tonight was maybe the only game that Stuart Skinner and either Konovalov are going to see a lot of action. Almost certainly so for Konovalov. And they each got half a game. And uh, Skinner saw eight shots. Konovalov saw seven shots. And, you know, you'd like to see them tested a little bit harder. Uh, even though, you know, it's it's nice thumping Calgary at any time. Uh, in, in terms of them testing the Oilers, they the only test that they gave the Oilers tonight, in my opinion, was the physical test, and they tried to run run around and and intimidate them, and that didn't work, which is a good p- positive for the Oilers, who were certainly not the initiators in this game, but they uh, uh, they weren't pushed off their game, and uh, as things went along, the Oilers just had more and more domination possession of the puck. 
and Calgary was playing chase and not very fast. My bad thing is also the Calgary Flames, because <laughs> really, <laughs> what else can you say? I mean, so Eric Goodbranson, he's been on seven NHL teams, wow. and Zadarov's been on and four. Bruce, they might have had, if I'm not mistaken, they might have had four four of their starting defensemen who are going to start the year. Like, if, if Goodbranson and uh, Zadorov both play at the same time, I mean, they played Rasmus Ants, Anderson yep. and Yusuf Valamaki. Yep. Like they had four of their six D-man. Who are the other two? Um, so this Flames team, uh, did they sign a D-man? Who who are their D-men? I don't know, Bruce. They better have some other good D-men. Tanev. Tanev. Because they lost they lost Trudano, of course, in the expansion draft. Yeah, so. they couldn't even win the, uh, what's that guy? Uh, the Vancouver got rid of the Schmidt guy. Um, sweet stakes. Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt, maybe he wasn't a, Flames kind of player under 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 the Sutter. Uh, let me just go to their roster because uh, that well, was he kinda... wanted Zadorov and Goodrunson to add, <laughs> add, uh, add a little bellicosity, yeah, truculence to the mix. Truculence. <laughs> maybe maybe this is going to work out well, but um, the first kind of uh, the first kind of at first blush, Bruce, that mm-hmm. was not very promising. When you got four of your D men who are going to make the team, and the orders had one, like I guess the orders had two mm-hmm. with Cuckoo and Bouchard. Okay, let's look. Here we go. Flames defense. Well, they got Kevin Gravel. Oh, Noah Hannafin. Okay. Right. He's their number one D man in Tanev. So their top pairing, Oliver Shillington. Mm-hmm. I think he might make the team too. Mm. Oh, Colton. Pullman. Oh, that's not Tucker Pullman. Okay, Colton oh. Pullman. Michael Stone. Right. Okay, so they were he's missing their... seven D. He was. He's their seven D. So they were missing their top pairing of Hannafin and Tanev. Um. So there's that burst, but right. wow, that was uh, that was a kind of a scary thing. Their lack of puck moving from the blue line mm. and the whole team there. What is your number? Yeah, well, I got to go with that 49 to 15. I mean, how often do you see shots of that nature? Uh, Edmonton outshot Calgary at even strength 32 to 12, which is, you know, just ridiculous. And then on power plays, <laughs> Edmonton had 17 shots on their power plays and Calgary had three. Like completely one-sided on power plays. At even strength, shots on goal, uh, Edmonton's 18 skaters, the worst one, uh, for shot share, Cooper Marodi at 62%. He was the worst, 62%. And at the other end, they had Ryan, Turris, Borgo, all at 89%. And uh, they just dominated. Not not one Oiler was on the ice for more than five Calgary shots. And not one Oiler was on the ice for less than six Edmonton shots. Like every single Oiler had, had you know, had the had the individual edge, but Basically, because Edmonton line to line to line collectively <clears throat> uh, had the advantage on them, and it was uh, uh, it was one of those games. It's like one of those early season games in minor hockey where they haven't tiered the teams properly yet. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't like Edmonton came down with McDavid and Drysital and you know the boys, right? Their whole t- top two first lines uh, sat out. 
their third line wingers sat out. I mean, Derek Ryan was brought, I think, probably because of his connection with Calgary to sort of give him that that mm-hmm. game in his old haunt and 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 deal with those demons right away. And and otherwise, this is you know very much a depth team uh, of uh, of uh, of lower down the lineup. And Calgary did the same, but Edmonton's depth looked to be a lot better than Calgary's depth now, didn't it? Indeed. My number, Bruce, is two. Mm-hmm. And it was the two t- the two times that the Flames um, lost their cool the veteran players, Milan Lucic, mm-hmm. uh, in the first period, uh, took a double minor. I, don't, I didn't actually, it's, I'm not exactly sure why he got so mad. I guess he, there was a collision. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, there was a collision there. And maybe maybe he had a right to be to be angered. And then um, Backlund took a really stupid elbowing penalty on Tyler Benson. I think it was late in the second, early in the third. It was just, just dumb. And it's just like, man, this, I don't know. What, what an in, yeah, what an inauspicious debut for the Calgary Flames for this season. I mean, if that's, uh heavy hockey sutter heavy hockey's back in town mm-hmm. good luck yeah Maybe i I'll- feel sorry for a little bit sorry for those uh calgary flames patrons who uh who paid for tickets for that game to finally get to live hockey for the first time in what 18 months yeah and be dealt a stinker of those proportions by the by the uh, home team it says the attendance was 14,519. Oh, I did not. It looked like not every third, there was someone in every third seat. There's so, no way there was 10,000 people in there. Yeah, it seems like. No way. It seems like people, I'm like, it's a preseason game, but it's more than that. It's COVID, right? Like, I just think people are being cautious, even though everyone there is double vaccinated or has passed the test or whatever their rule is. I just think people are being cautious and. They're not going to, a lot of people may not attend early on um, if they have any concerns at all. So maybe that's what was going on. I'm just guessing. All right. When's the next game, Bruce? Tuesday? Uh, Yeah, they're playing at home against Seattle on Tuesday. And I have to issue one small correction. My very first good thing, I got the lines wrong. Uh, I looked it up on Natural Stat Trick while you were talking. And uh, Perlini was actually with Shore and Turris. And uh, it was Sevier that was with Borgo and Ryan. Yeah, uh, it was a lot during a line change that Perlini was in on the goal with Ryan and Borgo that messed me up. But it was Sevier for the most part. But it was wasn't Ryan. that a power play? I think it was. It, it was. Uh, might have been a power play even. I'm not sure. I think sh- it was just... second power play. Yeah, yeah I don't right. know what does he say. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a power play lineup. So. Okay. Yeah, that that explains it. So anyway, so. Uh, my mistake. I mean, my comments about Perlini. A lot of what I noticed about Perlini was things that he did individually, and uh, you know, he was uh, uh, he made a strong case for himself for sure. So, yeah, I I, I think in terms of making the team, uh, Perlini, and then <laughs> then there was the ultimate making the team moment, Bruce. <laughs> Third period power play Flames, and. The game's four nothing. It's way out of reach, and there's a absolutely wicked shot. And who goes and blocks it? Slater Cuckoo just takes it, takes one for the team. Like that is a guy who wants to make the roster of the Edmonton Oilers this year, mm-hmm. and um, 
he made a lot of nice plays. He, he was smart. He just passed it over to Evan Bouchard again and again and again and again. And that's always a good play, it seems to me. Well, you play to each other's strengths. Yes. And if you have a, you know, if you have a defense pairing that's a stopper and a puck mover, the stopper, after he makes the stop, he wants to get the puck to the puck mover. Now, I'm not sure I would classify Slater Kukuk as a full-on stopper, but I have to say I've been uh, I've been pleasantly impressed by what I, I liked his play in camp. And he and Bouchard were together the whole time. And, and Kukuk seems to have, uh, I mean, he recognizes he's playing with, with a younger, uh, less experienced partner. And he's amping up a little bit his physicality and his intensity and, and uh, taking on a leadership role within the pairing. Uh, while still giving Bouchard himself plenty of time to, you know, plenty of opportunity to wheel and do his thing. But uh, Cuckoo gives the impression that he's got Bouchard's back. And uh, so far, so good. I mean, let's see what happens when we start playing real teams in in real games. But uh, uh, Cuckoo's come in here very determined to, I think, win a spot, not just on the team, but in the top six. And I would say at this moment he's he's favored to be to do just that. Yeah, I was skeptical when he arrived in town. I mean, I didn't know much about him, and I you know there was some stats that said he was good. That there was others that said he was bad, and so I just didn't know. But I was really impressed with him last year, I'm, and I was glad they brought him back. I think he's a smart hockey player, a, you know, kind of a all rounder. He's kind of okay mm-hmm. at everything. Yeah. Okay at taking the body. Okay at playing positionally. Okay at moving the puck. Okay at all these things. Like he's not. You know, he's not a, a <laughs> strong NHLer, but he's a good, he's an okay player. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we'll see how this partnership goes. You know, this is what the Oilers need. They need player, players like Slater Cuckoo to be decent. You know, if you're going to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs, your mm-hmm. third pairing defense has got to be decent. You can't, it can't be crappy and um, you, you can't make a, mistakes. You need a few players in your lineup who, you can count on to hold their own and uh, for what passes as inexpensive in the NHL, which is, you know, under $1 million, which is where Cuckoo draws in. So, you know, this could easily be, Bruce, the best puck moving group of defensemen the Oilers have had since 2006, right? Like 2005-06. They lose Larson, who was a fantastic shutdown defenseman, but not a great passer of the puck. He's mm-hmm. okay at best, right? And uh, if Chris Russell isn't in the lineup all the time, then you lose another guy who's not a great puck mover. If you go with, you know, Nurse, Barry, um, Keith, CeCe, and um, Cuckoo Bouchard, these are all, all six of these players should be able to move the puck well. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, you, I just wanted to ask you, just before we uh, shut her down for the night, you were at training camp three days mm-hmm. in a row. Yeah. Um, what was your impression of, of Cody CeCe? And for and any other strong impressions, and I just want to compliment you, Bruce. I thought you did a fantastic job of providing the color uh, of those practices. You know, you don't always go, so it's kind of you're seeing it through fresh eyes. And I just thought you did a really fine job in those three days in a row. But Cece, what did you think? No, uh, yeah. Here's the thing about Cece. I saw him real good at training camp. Especially on the first day, like he, he blew me away with his. Uh, uh, well, blew me away strong, but he he was he was very very good at uh, many aspects of the game, including the physical aspect, his ability of you know not crushing guys but using his body effectively 
to close off a guy's route to the puck, finish the check, then turn and get the puck for himself or even leave the puck for a teammate to get it. But he was aware of, of the lanes and his, the ability to use his body. And it's a pretty big body. He's 6'2 six, six and uh, something over 200 pounds. I can't remember his exact measurement. Like 210 or something, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a, he's a good-sized fellow. He can skate pretty good. He can, you know, skate with the puck okay, pass the puck, made some good passes. Uh, he seemed to be, you know, he, he had good good range. And he made one awful turnover in one of the scrimmages to Yamamoto. And guess what clip was put on, on, on Twitter, uh, along with all kinds of comments saying, well, this is what we can expect from Cody Cece all year. What a stupid <laughs> signing. Jeez. And he was excellent for three days. And he made one mistake. And the only, <laughs> the only clip you'll find of Cody Cece on, on Twitter is, uh, is that clip. And just to continue in that vein, uh, while I'm ranting a little bit, uh, for years we've been hearing about how the Oilers need puck-moving defensemen. And now they've got, as you say, puck-moving defensemen. They got, they brought in Duncan Keith, they, they brought back Tyson Berry, and from some quarters all I'm hearing is grumbling about how lousy the Oilers' defense is without even seeing them play yet. I mean, if they're good puck movers and the Oilers are going to be attacking with the puck, with the attackers that they've got, well, some good things are going to result from all that. It's not all doom and gloom all the time. I mean, come on, some people need to knock it off with the a, with a, with a full-blown negativity. I mean, I just ignore them. At least, I just well... Ign- I yeah. try to ignore those people, but it's always the same people. I just, I'm done with it. I ignore it. Like they can have their conversations. That's, that's fine. You know, it's a big, there's all kinds of people out there with all kinds of opinion and on social media, you just have to really, I think in the end, if you're going to just limit who you, who you follow and listen to and, and talk with, because otherwise the negativity, you know, and again, like you're like, you're, you're right, Bruce. Like, how do they know about Cody CC? Did they watch him play all of his games last year? How do they know about Duncan Keith? How many of their of Duncan Keith's games did they watch last year? I'm skeptical about both players, uh, I frankly. But I, I am too. Nonetheless, but, but I'm, I'm, going in, I'm going in with an open mind because I don't know how they're going to play. I hope they're great. Yeah. Maybe they won't be. You know, I hope that Mark Fain and Nikita Nikitin were going to be great. You know, yeah. <laughs> didn't turn out. No, Sometimes I mean, betting against the Oilers has been a pretty solid bet over these last 15 years. <laughs> but, yeah, in the, but in the here and now, I mean, this, I mean, my comment about puck moving defensemen. I'll, I'll, I'm going to let that stand. I mean, you want puck moving defensemen? Well, most of them have warts. Like there are very few Chris Prongers out there that are great puck movers. And oh yeah, they're great at everything else. You know, they have they many of them have issues, and the ones that don't have issues cost a fortune. So anyway, they've. Uh, 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 let's let's at least see what we got before we declare. Ken Holland's summer of failure. I mean, maybe that's the way we'll judge it. Like we judge Peter Shirelli's summer of failure over time. Uh, Summers. Let's see. What, yeah. <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's, let's see, see what, what happens. happens. I mean, points is, especially in a, in a short season, points isn't a great way to rate defensemen. I, under, I understand that. Like it's very variable. But, you know, that that said, there's, there's one indicator. He finished yeah. 40th overall in even strength point scoring rate. He was at 1.21 points per 60, Cody CC. You know, you know, right there beside Quinn Hughes <laughs> and Colton Pareko. So, and Morgan, ahead of Morgan Riley. So, again, this is, 
you can get lucky. You can get lots of second assists and you can get, yep. you know, and, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily meaningful, but it, it might be meaningful. And again, I didn't see him. I, I can't say, I don't know. I'm skeptical, but um, you know, it's, it's, I'm heartened. I was heartened by your description of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that he can play and maybe he can. I mean, he's only, he's 27. He's been in NHL a long time. Maybe he's ready to be as just a solid, you know, what was that? What's that old guy who played with the Leafs in Carolina? Hainsey, you no. know, a guy like that, like, was he ever, all of a sudden he hits about 27, 28, 29, and he becomes a really good NHL player for four or five years. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes defensemen, they just figure it out. And if they have, you know, if he's always had kind of a toolkit, he's always been, I think, big and fast and uh, impressed people with his 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 skills. But maybe now, maybe you know, at at the age he's at, the mental game will come to him. So so again, this is speculation. I have no idea. But it sounds that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Hainsey when you were describing him at training camp. So we'll see. Hopefully. Well, he's 27 and he's got 549 NHL regular season games under his belt already. I mean, yeah. I would hope and expect that he's a polished NHL defenseman at this point. And that's what I saw. You know, right away, I think this guy looks like an NHLer. And, you know, that doesn't always happen, right? <laughs> but you could see that that he had the, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the command of his game. And... Who knows if at 27, if he's peaked, I mean, his last couple of years, he, it seems to be more uh, t- trending in a good direction, especially last year in Pittsburgh, once he got out of Ottawa. I mean, if you're judging your opinion on the guy when he was a young player playing for the Ottawa Senators, well, I suggest you step back off the ledge and <laughs> give, him a, give, give him a chance, you know. Uh, there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be a goals against. And if that's all you're looking for, then you're probably going to be disappointed. Well, Whoever yeah, even the player the, is. Even Chris Pronger uh, was responsible for goals against on a regular basis. These these things happen. So uh, anyway, let's let's just wait and see. Hopefully, yeah, I, I mean, and we'll be tracking that through the season. And I'll be very keen to watch, and we'll you will just judge them on the same criteria we've been judging guys for years. And I, I'm interested to see how this new set of defensemen are going to are, are are going to raid under our system of you know monitoring positive and negative plays on scoring chances at both ends of the ice yeah because i think we kind of know what we're going to get in nurse and we kind of know what we're going to get in tyson berry and maybe to some extent cuckoo and mm-hmm. russell you know kind of the steady diminishment of chris russell um who i've always kind of liked um and then but these are the unknowns uh keith bouchard and i mean he's going to be in the lineup if Short he makes a mistake, know. if he makes a mistake and gives up a goal, will he get, you know, will he get the same kind of feedback? Well, there's some people, yeah, we'll, and I get, we'll see. I get this, Bruce. They're they are bitter because Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones got traded. They really like those players. They really I like loved them. Ethan Bear's game, and they really yes. loved Caleb Jones. And and yeah, at times I've really been enthusiastic about both players and and, and seen potential in them, and and maybe and and. They could still, both of them, uh, round into to steady, reliable, top four D-men in the NHL. Mm. Real possibility. But, uh, you know, I guess I've just moved on. Like, they're gone. And, you know, ever since I, my favorite Risto Silton and got traded, Bruce, I just can't be jilted anymore. <laughs> well, there was a puck I'm over that. Defense. Now, there was a puck movie defenseman. Yeah. Well, like Evan Bouchard's a puck mover, and, and Tyson Barry's a puck mover, and Duncan Keith is a puck mover, and 
And let's see what happens when these puck movers move the puck into the onto the sticks of these talented offensive players. And you know, ideally, I mean, I'm old enough to I remember, and and you do too, of course, uh, Paul Coffey. Yeah. And he had his tractors, and he would make some horrendous clangers from time to time that would wind up with the goal light flashing, uh, and and yet every year he would, you know, he would. He would more than make up for that with his positive plays, moving the puck, you know, contributing directly to the offense, obviously, with his 100-point seasons and so on. Um, but weigh the positives against the negatives, and in his case, you know, he'd be plus 50 every year by the end of the year, I would suggest that there was more positives than negatives. I mean, simple math. And I'm not, none of these guys is going to be Paul Coffey, but... Uh, uh, that's um, just a, a, a lesson I learned that you know you'd be, you'd be over the in an individual moment, sure you can be mad at this player or that for some dumb play or bad turnover or something, but uh, overall you got to balance the you know the full breadth of the guy, and it's pretty hard to do that on a player that just arrived in Edmonton and hasn't even played an actual game yet. So let's hold our fire for a little bit. And hold our praise. I mean, like with, with well, Bouchard yeah. as well. And so this, I'm like, I'm just, I just was so thrilled with Evan Bouchard's mm-hmm. game tonight. You know, he, was, he, he looked Zubavian in that game, though, you know, the way he was <laughs> dominating the play. And, and, uh, but it is just a preseason game, but you know, it's yes. just, it's just really exciting to it's have this player. Team. Yeah. Against the bad team. It's just really exciting to have this kind of talent. And mm-hmm. I hope it, comes to fruition because the orders look like they might have a special player here and uh to combine with some other special players and that's what you need if you're going to win the stanley cup you got to have that and they haven't had that on defense they haven't had that special player like honestly i like darnell nurse uh but i don't think he's that guy uh on the attack so we'll see we shall see Alrighty, bruce any closing thoughts one down, 89 to go, and that's before the playoffs. Yes. Eight preseason games and 82 regular season games ahead. So that's we've set the standard now. The orders are averaging four goals for and zero against. So that's what we can expect going forward. <laughs> That'd be very nice. All right. <laughs> thanks, Bruce. Good to talk to you. Thanks for talking. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.